coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. A couple of games that never got made. That Zelda trailer, though. And part two of our hardware roundup. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Patrick? Uh, doing well, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, too. Yeah, I just took my socks off. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm in my own home, so I feel like it's okay for me to do that. If we were in like a professional studio, I don't think I would. No. Especially if we were renting the space. Hmm. I don't see now that you put like renting, like now I think... I'm paying for it. Why shouldn't I be able to take my socks off? Because other people are also renting it. I suppose that's that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I apologize. Should I put my socks back on? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. You're you're misconstruing this. I'm saying for your own safety. Oh, other people I are understand. renting it. Like, what if there's like AIDS needles lying, lying around? What if? I mean, <laughs> that's a great point. I don't. I don't want to. I. How disappointed would you be? If you got AIDS from not wearing socks one day in the recording studio. Disappointed is not the word I would use. What word? Devastated? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mark. Yeah. So we're doing good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing great. No one has sock AIDS. Nope. Um, what? Uh, how? We got to talk about the weather. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Um. Kind of the exact same as, as last week's weather report, yep. right? Great. Ch- chilly but pleasant. Mm, yes. I've been enjoying chilly but pleasant. It's been cold at night. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I pulled out... I have a blanket. It's a very large, thick, heavy blanket. I just glanced over at the couch to see if it was there. It is not there. No, it's not. Um, it is a thick, heavy, furry blanket um, that we seldom have opportunity to use in Los Angeles. But we are using it. Let me tell you, it gets too hot all the time, but I love it regardless. Do you have any tricks for uh, beating the cold? Uh, no, not really. All right. It's not really that cold, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I guess at night it gets down to like below 40s. Everyone is laughing at us right now, Mark. Everyone. Not if they're listening in LA. Great point. They're commiserating. Uh, all right. So that, that was the weather, <laughs> which is like has always been a unofficial official segment, but is slowly just becoming like we should play the theme music before we do it. I'm not putting it on our show outline, okay? <laughs> I'm just not. Uh, so we we have introduced a a new segment called the debug segment, uh, wherein you help us debug our show and tell us where we were wrong. But I guess we were so right last week that no one had anything to say. And we were talking about Pokemon, and Mark and I don't know Pokemon that well. We, we said uh, perfection was our goal. That's right. Uh, so if you get back to us uh, with, with your debuggings of either uh, past episodes or future episodes or, or this, this episode. episode, thank you, Mark. Uh, you can uh, write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and we will read your debug on the podcast. Mark, what have you been playing? Uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yep. Uh, less like often mm-hmm. as I was playing it the past couple of weeks as I was trying to like 
get through it as much. Are I'm, you still on that third island? Yeah, I'm like more like casually taking my time. Yeah. Talking to some some NPCs now. Yeah. Turns out you get quite a few items from them. You get a ton of items from talking to NPCs. That's how I spent most of my first two islands worth of experience talking to people. Um, but I've also been playing on the NES Classic Edition. The I've been trying my hand at Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, how are you able to... Tell me how you like it first. Um, I'm terrible at it. I don't think you are. I think you could be very good at it and still just die all the time. It's so hard. It's really... It's really hard. Um, but the thing that, which I didn't know, so I was listening to a podcast that I listen to every week called Retronauts, mm-hmm. and they discuss uh, classic games. And last week they were talk- talking about uh, like lesser known Japanese developers yeah. and kind of like bad games. And the NES port of Ghost and Goblins came up. And I didn't notice that the uh, NES port was- wasn't done by Capcom. They farmed it out to like a company called Micronics. And nobody knows for sure because a lot of the history of these Japanese studios is just kind of lost to time. Yeah. Uh, and but well, it's, it's before like anyone was really keeping track of all of this. Right. Stuff. I mean, we don't even know when some game when like games came out. Right. Know, and like, we I mean, like this is also back when uh, the credits of video games uh, had all like call signs that like people weren't using their real names. And <laughs> be like, what? Red one. <laughs> Who designed this thing? But apparently Micronics like could possibly have just been one person. <laughs> and with like no access to the source code of the arcade version of Ghost and Goblins. So they were just kind of like doing it. They were just like eyeing it and just being like, wow. oh, this is like an approximation. Um, and so that's apparently why the NES port is so uh, bad. I guess. And like punishing. Yeah. How how far are you able to get in that game? Um, I can get to like the third level. That's amazing. Fairly consistently, but that is after like a good like work day's worth of playing. <laughs> oh no no, I should clarify. I wasn't working what, but like eight hours. I put in like eight hours. Yeah, I think that I think that tracks, and that's why I was laughing. <laughs> that's a long time. So I mean, like I. Like like we've talked about before, in general, with the NES Classic Edition, like I'm just not as good at these games as I used to be. Like I used to be able to cruise through Super Mario Brothers three with like no effort, and I was getting frustrated with myself because getting like playing it again. Yeah, I'm not able to just like cruise through, and I've got to earn it. Now. You you have to earn it now, uh, and so it's possible that you know when I was eight, I would be able to get to the fourth level of Ghost and Goblins in a couple hours instead of, you know, putting an entire eight hours into trying to get to to pass the third level. Um, And, you know, I have given up. I'm not going to try to go back further. Yeah, it's just like, it doesn't feel worth it. Are you having fun while you're playing it? Um, not enough to keep going, (laughs) but enough to, like, put in, you know, the time. Yeah. Because I, outside of watching a speed run or two, you know, I've never... Uh, this is the furthest I've ever gotten in this game. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was also inter- It's also interesting for me playing this because my only experience playing it was like at a friend's house as a kid, and it's I as kids, I had no really concept of like whether it was, like something was a good game 
or a bad game. Yeah. I just accepted every game kind of on its own terms. And there were games that I liked playing more than others. But even like a terrible game or like a bad port, quote unquote. Yeah. Like I had no idea. So as a kid, I wasn't like, oh, this game is bad. I was just like, oh, this game is super hard. Or like, I don't like this game as much. Right. Uh. Yeah, no, I mean, I played the NES version of Rampage from start to finish, and that game will last, like, four hours of just you, like, climbing buildings and punching stuff. It's not fun by any stretch of the imagination. My mom bought us uh, Superman 64. Yeah. And I'm sure because it was cheap, you know, and we had, like, and it wasn't until many, many years later that I uh, found out that it was considered one of the worst games of all time, because I played through that to... I don't know if it's beatable, but like to as far as I was able to like, and I just wasn't able to purse. Right. But I put hours into that game and I knew like, I knew it wasn't as good as like Super Mario 64, but I wasn't like, oh, this is a bad game. I was right. just like, oh, this is, you know, like not as fun. Right. Well, I think, I mean, I, maybe it's a function of being a kid and maybe it's a function of it, it being like long enough ago that we didn't have a like big enough selection of video games where you're like, I can't play a game unless it's excellent. Um, which is where I feel like that's, that's where we are now. Um, but man, like how nice to be a kid and just be like, whatever, whatever I've got, I'm just going to play it. And like, I'm going to have fun with it. It doesn't need to be perfect. And it can even be bad and I'll have a good time. Yeah. Just the very act of playing video games was enough to amuse me. You're Superman. I mean, (laughs) come on. Well, what have you been playing? Uh, so I have also been playing uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, also taking it easy, uh, like like you are. Island style. But yeah, just <laughs> going at island speed, bro. Um, I uh, did the uh, the weird little man-made islands. Um, there's like a tiny little bit that you do between the second and third island. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you go to like the Institute? Yeah. Yeah. Real strange. The game starts to get like... Real strange there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still liking it, but I... Uh, also, did you recognize, like, it wasn't until later that I was like... Because I had com- totally forgot about the short cutscene that opens yeah. with uh, Lily, like, running away from uh, people in white, like, outfits. Yeah. And then, like, the her Pokemon. Yeah. Like, um... Whatever its name is. Yeah. And then, and it wasn't until I went... Like, I was in the Institute for a little bit, and then I was like, oh... This is the place from the beginning of the game. That uh, opening cutscene. I don't remember the beginning of the game. <laughs> uh, I have also been playing, and this is a, a very recent development, I've been playing Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze. Now, this one did not get ported to the 3DS, right? Was it the first one, that, or is That's this correct. the one that was ported? No, so the, uh, the one that was ported to the 3DS was just Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong Country, Country Returns, Returns, which was originally released on the Wii ported to the 3ds right um this is the sequel on the wii u um and i am one world into it at this point uh and i think i came to a conclusion about the donkey kong country games they're like nintendo taking a crack at sonic the hedgehog but without the speed Hmm. they feel similarly like platformy and a little bit awkward with a lot of things to find in the worlds, um, and like, you know, animal character based, um, and I suppose that's where the analogy uh, stops. 
<laughs> but like I, I like it similarly. Like it, it feels like a good Sonic game, but without the speed. Um, do you how like how familiar are you with Donkey Kong Country Returns by Rare? Like you know, like the the ones for the Super Nintendo. Sure. So I uh, the first game um I love um and have played from start to finish more times than I can count. Um, and I have the first. I have all, all three of them on um my 3ds and i've played a little bit of the the game boy versions um as well which are totally different games because i i'm pretty much in the same boat and because i consider uh the retro ones these newest ones donkey kong country returns mm-hmm. to be pretty different from the rare ones yeah, so when I you're agree. saying that they're like you're, they're like nintendo taking a crack at sonic games do you mean the new ones the ones by I retro do. i oh, do okay yeah i mean they, it's it's less they have um the levels are less vertical than like a sonic level usually is um but like there's something about the way the character moves and weighs um and like also just you know when you get far enough into a a modern sonic game where like every every turn is could be punishing you know um because the games are extraordinarily hard i'm like really tough precise fast platforming um so i don't know it it feels it feels good i think it's better than um the first donkey kong country returns if by you know sheer virtue of not having to shake to make yeah i was gonna say because i i played the one on the wii yeah and um it's i think i should play if i were going to play it again i played the 3ds version yeah because doesn't have that you don't have to shake you know and which and like i i'm not i'm not one of those like i don't like waggle mechanics at all but like it's just such an imprecise way to make you know donkey kong roll like it doesn't make any sense um like do it in mario galaxy and like he hit something great makes perfect sense to me um but just like the timing of it and having to use it to like jump across longer pits or whatever it just doesn't work um but yeah it's really good on the uh on the 3ds um now you would recommend you've owned tropical freeze for a while is this your first time playing through it that's not true i bought tropical freeze um just over the weekend oh um it was uh it and super mario 3d world um are both part of the uh nintendo selects program and amazon was selling them at like uh 30 percent off or something so i got the game for 14 dollars Oh wow! Yeah, uh, for so some reason I thought you had owned it for Mark. Like, that's people. not true. <laughs> I, um, I okay. <laughs> I don't have anything like I like. I was mistaken. I apologize. It's all right. I accept your apology, and I'm not as mad as I sound. Do I sound really mad? Uh, all right, that's good. Let's get into the news. So the Game Awards happened this past week. Right. And we did not live uh, crap on it. No, because neither of us watched them. <laughs> I watched the pre-show. I didn't watch any of them. All right. Very good. <laughs> um, uh, I saw, quote, unquote, highlights after the fact. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going right back to dumping on the, <laughs> on the Game Awards. The Breath of the Wild teaser was shown. Uh, they so they, there was both like a I think it was during the pre-show mm-hmm. there was a like a short trailer 
that was maybe like a minute, 30 seconds. So the, uh, yeah, but before the show, that's when they actually played the, the trailer trailer. And then during the show is when they did a, like Bill Trinan and someone else from um, Nintendo did a like little let's play. Um, oh, that was from, during from, the show? That was during the show. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, so we both kind of got what we wanted out of it. Yeah. We saw a little sword play and we saw some NPCs slash maybe a town. Don't yep. really know. Yep. Uh, kind of looked like a traveling like carnival it did look carnivaly yeah there was like i think like a carousel you know under like a big tent type thing yeah and there's uh that um building under like a giant horse head um that seemed pretty cool uh let's talk about these npcs a little bit because we see like a kind of lady character wearing like that kind of blue adventuring garb in in what looked more like a cut scene than yeah. gameplay and yeah. and she's it's in my opinion very clearly zelda uh they but ha- they're just not showing us well they haven't re- yeah they're not because it's all in like uh close-ups mm-hmm. and so and from like the neck down or you know from like, the waist up uh so you don't you don't see a face ever which i guess they haven't shown us what zelda looks like at all in any of the trailers or anything. It's all focused on Link. Yeah, that's right. So I'm thinking that this is... I think is... this is the first time that we're seeing, like, any part of any character that's not Link. Other than, like, the old man, like, NPC at the beginning of, like, the oh, E3 yeah, sure. demo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's Zelda. It would make sense. I mean, if if it's anyone else, we'd be like, who? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's gotta be Zelda. Um, but yeah, not, doesn't look too much, you know, like a princess looks pretty much like Zit Link, you, like outfit wise, costume wise. Yeah. I mean, it, even uh, when they start to show us like towns and stuff, like, like you said, it seems like it's more of like a traveling civilization and less of, we don't see like big castles and anything that is a big castle is basically in ruin. Um, so, like, I wonder if there even is a functional, you know, monarchy for Zelda to be the princess of. Yeah, there's a big, um, kind of to your point of, like, this idea of, like, vagabonds, like, travelers. Um, they're, one of the NPCs that they show is, like, a big, like, bird who oh, seems to be, like, a let's bard. talk about this bird. I, 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 lo- I love it. We only I love see it for too. a few seconds. Um, but it's like a, a bard who has like an accordion mm-hmm. and um, and like a, a a big bow and arrow. I guess it's just the bow, um, like slung over his shoulders. Um, and he's there for a second, and then he like zips back up to like a bird ship or something. It's it's like a it looks like it's borrowing elements from Skyward Sword, um, with that sort of like here's a world above the clouds, mm-hmm. which I guess there's a little bit of that in Twilight Princess too. Um, but that's cool. Uh, I I would love to meet more of that guy. What do you think of the, uh, for all the changes that have seemed to happening in Breath of the Wild, it appears from the little bit we've seen that NPCs are not going to be voice acted. That it's going to be walk up, you mm-hmm. know. There's they're gonna make like some like blah, 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 noises. Yeah, while uh the text box scrolls below. I have no issue with this. Uh, I'm not. I don't even really. I can, like most people, I can, you know, like we can read faster than we can yes. like listen. And so I'm usually skipping voice acting anyways. Yeah. Um, But 
so to me it's no big deal i kind of prefer it over voice acting but what is your take uh i I would say that i have a similar take um i love it when video games are incredibly well voice acted um but i feel like that's the floor for me it has to be amazing and then i'm like okay fine (laughs) like most voice acting in video games uh I immersion breaking, you know, like where you're just like, oh, okay, I'm playing, a, I'm playing a video game, I'm playing a bad Japanese cartoon, poorly dubbed, you well, know. And I also feel like it's like reading, where, um, I enjoy being able to, and not even that I have like a specific like concrete voice for every character, mm-hmm. but I just I prefer it being in my head versus you know necessarily like the choice that somebody made to be like this is what the character sounds like yeah well and also um while while you were saying that it made me think of like the way we interact with a video game is more like how we interact with a book or a comic or whatever um than a movie where like a movie is a, a totally passive experience and so you have no control over the speed of the dialogue or what someone sounds like but in a video game you are necessarily interacting with it just like you do with a book or um or a comic book i'm sorry i keep inserting comic book in this dude most of my reading is comics um that like you're playing an active role in like putting that reality together so like if suddenly there's a voice speaking things like you know now you're seeding that little bit of uh interactivity with with the thing i totally agree and in general i'm not a huge fan of the trends towards making games cinematic like more like yes. movies because they're not movies yeah. yeah and i um uh and i i think even if we're not like conscious of it we're not like oh having voice acting is taking me out of this game it i do think it is uh something that happens like and games like Uncharted or The Last of Us, where the uh, voice acting, I would say, is, for the most part, very good. Yeah. Those games strive to be cinematic, and they are very good experiences for what they are. But I don't know that they're the best, like, games. Yeah, they're, they're almost more very rewarding cinematic experiences than they are rewarding games. And, you know, they... Yeah, like I would say that they almost use um, gameplay as a way to serve the storytelling rather than the story as a way to serve the game. Um, yeah, I totally and, agree. And it would be weird if Zelda did that. Yeah, right. Like, absolutely. I, I, it, it would be a. I wouldn't be into it. Um, did you watch uh, the the Let's Play video? I did. Yeah. Um, I'm less excited from what we get out of the Let's Play video. Um, First of all, it looked like it was chugging, right? Like, it didn't look to me like it was running very smoothly. Uh, yeah, I didn't really notice, but um, I think the Switch version will be the version to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It'll break my heart if this game comes out and, like, it performs poorly. Not, like, it, that it sells bad, but, like, just that it can't run on the hardware. I... I has Nintendo I don't think Nintendo releases games like that. That's true. So That's true. you know, I mean it may not run as smoothly, but I think it I think it'll be fine at the end of the day on the Wii U. Sure. Uh and even even finer on 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 yeah. that Switch. Um I'm not sure I even made it through the video cuz it was chugging a lot and like I don't know there's like two 
40 year old 50 year old guys on the couch like and now we're talking to this guy and <laughs> well that's why it's so weird to me that they played it during the actual game awards the game awards are weird man <laughs> i assume they just dropped it like it was like oh here's the trailer and then like check out our youtube page if you want to see the let's play because i agree like um the uh like the let's play portion of it itself was not super interesting sure it looked pretty much just like oh this is a zelda game okay yeah which is not a bad thing right i mean that's why we're all gonna play it yeah it's because it's a zelda game uh how far into it did you get honestly i don't know (laughs) well i guess you don't really have any gauge for like that's what true. comes after. So right. It's like, yeah. I mean, there w- I did probably have a literal gauge at the bottom of the video. There was a little bar that was slowly filling <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, but you were Xing out of it too quickly <laughs> to get to even see that. But no, uh, I mean, long story short, we're of course excited about Breath of the Wild. Like, give me that soundtrack. What do you mean? Like the 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 music. Oh, I thought you were game. like asking me to like cue something up. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you want me to work? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, like the the. Uh, um, the music for this game sounds incredible. Yeah, it it really does. We I still mean, we still don't know who's doing it, but like, yeah, it, it seems like piano versions of a lot of you know like the themes. Yeah, uh, it just seems amazing. Oh man, I was I was just about to say March can't come soon enough, but then three months after March can't come even sooner. Yeah, enough. hopefully like summer next summer <laughs> can't come soon enough. Uh, in an interview with NintendoEverything.com. Uh, THQ Nordic confirmed to be working on two games for Switch. Uh, so THQ Nordic, that is, um, they bought a lot of um, intellectual property coming out of THQ when that company folded. Correct. I don't. I don't totally understand what happened, but I think uh, my to the best of my understanding, T, uh, THQ Nordic was like snatching up IP like kind of left and right when um those mid-tier uh publishers were falling out um which is how they get things like uh dark siders which is um available on like all platforms right now mm-hmm. um and dark siders 2 was just re-released uh, or remastered for um all of the new generation stuff and is coincidentally on sale on all those platforms <laughs> Um, but so yeah, it's uh, it, they've got a a wealth of stuff that they could put on the Switch or develop for the Switch. So what I'm uh, to your point, I, what I'm not entirely sure is if this is an existing developer, like the original developer of Darksiders and DeBlob, that um is also stanching up other IP, or if it's just completely unaffiliated. And it's just weird to have the THQ name back. Yeah, right. Like where where have those guys been? Um, I mean, other than probably folding, um, was Quest 64 a game that they made on the Nintendo 64? Do you remember this game? I remember it. THQ? Yeah. Um, possibly, but are you hoping for a Switch revival? (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'll be the one guy calling for a Quest 64 sequel. Had to have been one of the few RPGs on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. And it was, let me tell you. No good. <laughs> but but they do own like DeBlob and Darksiders. Did you ever play DeBlob? No, I um was going to follow up and ask what is DeBlob? Oh, okay, so it was originally a Wii exclusive 
that was made by THQ. And mm. it's like, um, I guess platformer is not really the right word, but it's a game where the world is like black and white mm-hmm. and you play as this like blob, like paint, not really like paint splotch type thing. And your job in each level is to like add color to all like the walls and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. It was the first, I only played the first game and it was fun. I enjoyed it. I played it at launch and I think they made it to Blob 2, but it was multi-platform. And yeah, I did not play that one. It looks like the Blob 2 was on um, PlayStation 3 and maybe just PlayStation 3. Looking it up now. I think it was at the time when like THQ was just putting everything on everything. Right. Um, but yeah, so I didn't play the second one. And but yeah, like it's a franchise that I mean, I could see coming back. Uh, Darksiders, I think, obviously. A Darksiders I, 3 is going to be on. They've got two more horsemen to get through, right? Yeah. Wh- which, okay, let's, let's test ourselves right now. So which two horsemen have they already done? I couldn't tell you. I think it's Death and War. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, what are the other two? Like from a commercial like uh, standpoint, Death and War oh, would yeah, be like okay, the yeah. most like... Uh, <laughs> They're the most obvious. I don't know yeah. how you do a pestilence game. Right. And then what else? Is famine? famine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other ones are... The other ones are weak. <laughs> well, it's just harder to beat up famine. <laughs> right, sure. But I mean, you play as the angels of, right? Hey, guess what? I've never played a Darksiders <laughs> game. <laughs> but uh, regardless, we're super excited for it to see it on Switch. I don't know. Who knows? Quest 65. That's what I want. Quest 65. Uh, so, uh, YouTuber P2P Online. Uh, like released this pitch video for a never developed Diddy Kong Racing adventure game that was uh, a pitch from Climax Studios who's probably best known for like Silent Hill Shattered Memories mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pitch to Nintendo that like never went any further than just uh, like a like a pitch document um, but it was supposed to have like a full adventure mode 14 playable characters, a mount system where, like, you could... So, yeah, what, what does that mean? Uh, so, if you're, like, riding... I think in the pitch video, it shows, like, Diddy Kong riding a, uh, like, a rhinoceros. Rambi, probably. Rambi, probably. And you are... Um, you can move to, like, his head, to his back. So, oh. uh, and so you, you can, like, move to different positions on your mount. Um, and it's going to have, like, full player, four-player, uh, split-screen multiplayer. This was all, like, their plan. It never went forward. Um, but so, do you know this is for the GameCube? Oh, for GameCube. Okay, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't have been um, developed by Rare. Then. No, it was okay. going to be Climax Studios. Like it was Climax oh, Studios, I, I like pitch okay. to Nintendo. Got it. Uh, unsolicited. So, did you play? Have you played Diddy Kong? Did you play Diddy Kong Racing on the sixty four? Diddy Kong Racing, when it came out, was my favorite kart racer. Oh, okay. Um, like I, th- I think it's a better game than Mario Kart sixty four. Um. Yeah, I, I love that game. Uh, that that's where I, I first met Banjo. That's where I first met Conker. Um, and I love all of those characters. And I don't know why they're not like in still like why tipped up the turtle and um, the Pip the the mouse. Maybe it's I love the game and I can't remember the characters' names. Maybe that's a good indication <laughs> why they don't exist in other games. I also think like the another reason we don't see Diddy Kong Racing even like the original on virtual console and stuff is I think it's in that weird, like Microsoft rare quagmire. That sure. So it was re-released on, on the DS th- on the DS. Yeah. Okay. 
um, I I owned a I, that that was a uh, release day purchase for me when it came out on DS because I loved it so much. Who um, did the port? I, I I don't know. I think Nintendo did, but um, yeah. So like Banjo's not in it, and Conquer isn't in it either. Um, they're replaced with like maybe it's Donkey Kong. It, there's there's another Kong, um, and maybe it's just maybe it's just two other kongs but i mean whatever it is they they take all of the rare specifics out um and just leave the game as a uh kind of pure nintendo experience which makes sense like you you can do that it's just it was such a charming little you know piece of uh the rare universe and i think at for nintendo because they don't have like rare to develop it anymore and they put all of their effort into Mario Kart. Yeah. There's no real point in having a competing kart racer. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why why have two competing kart racers on on one platform? It do, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But uh, interesting that Climax yeah. was going to. Did you did you play Silent Hill Shattered Memories? Mm-mm. No, the uh, I've only played the first two Silent Hill games, and that's that's it. Um. I know they made a lot of them, uh, but like most of them aren't good, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. Have you? Uh, yes, I did, and I did not love it as much as uh, it was very well received. Mm-hmm. I did not love it like those people did, but um, it was definitely interesting. Sure. Uh, there was no like combat, and like when the zo- when you were being attacked, like your only option was to run. Um. It, and it had a really interesting system where, like, the choices you made would, like, morph the world. Yeah. Uh, it was very ambitious. I don't think it, like, worked, and especially narratively, I don't think it worked, but uh, it was definitely ambitious. So you're saying uh, these guys dodged a bullet by not doing their, their Diddy Kong racing adventure game and doing Shattered Memories instead? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, sp- another game that... Uh, never came to be was wind waker 2 wind waker the legend of zelda the wind Wind waker Waker 2 yeah so uh from the new book that dark horse is publishing in the u.s uh the legend of zelda art and artifacts there's an interview with artist satoru satoru takizawa and if you have any complaints about oh, Mark's pronunciation, and you probably do, because <laughs> oof, you can send any of your email complaints to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com. Uh, they were asked about like Toon Link, and this is what he said. He said, "To tell you the truth, we had begun the initial steps towards creating Wind Waker Two around that time. However, demand for a more ocarina like game was growing by the day. We did our very best with Wind Waker and put everything we had into it. However, Wind Waker Two would have." taken place in a more land-based setting rather than on the sea so that we so that we could have link so yeah link could gallop across the land on a horse but link's proportions in wind waker weren't very well suited for riding on horseback he was too short and an adult version of toon link did not seem appropriate either so while we were stuck on these problems we became aware of the demand the greater demand for a more realistic taller link uh, how crazy is it that Nintendo is like uh, the the direction of their game is like uh, the character's not tall enough to ride a horse? Well, it sounds like it's like two things because um, Wind Waker 
was not received that well for at the time. I think it was well reviewed. I think it maybe just didn't sell super well. Right. It sold a little over 3 million copies worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to imagine at this point because Toon Link is so ingrained in uh, Nintendo. Yeah. But Toon Link was very controversial. Reviled, I would say. hated. People called it Zelda. Because it was like cell shading. Right. Yeah. Um, so. God, people are awful. Remember remember a couple weeks ago we were complaining about the internet? The internet. This was the internet of its time. It was the internet. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I'm saying the internet has always right. was like the internet. <laughs> <laughs> the internet historically has yes. been the internet. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so it was absolutely reviled and. And when Ocarina, or not when Ocarina, I'm sorry, when uh, Twilight Princess was mm-hmm. teased, the, uh, uh, wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't know, what are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, like, people were, uh, uh, their reception of it was, oh, people were elated? <laughs> sure. People, <laughs> Mr. Fancy Pants, that's not the word I was going for, <laughs> but. Hey, I gave you a word. <laughs> Not the word I was looking people for. People were way hype. Is that what you wanted <laughs> yeah, to say? Yeah, that's what I was going to okay. say. People were way hype. Uh, but yeah, like it was like explosive. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting to me that like they came up against this problem with uh, Toon Link being able to ride a horse. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, the fans were speaking very loudly that they wanted a more realistic. Yeah. And also like this was around the time that... Uh, you know, the primary color used in video games was brown. Brown and, and gray. And gray. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. A, a wide palette of brown and gray. Uh, and so, you know, we really wanted our Zelda to be like Batman Begins. Right. Gritty. It needed to be gritty. And uh, it needed to be street smart, but not <laughs> real smart. We wanted him using words like way hype and not elated. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that, um, just the the direction that Nintendo, you know, they, they obviously went like hard on, uh, trying to give a more, um, realistic, I guess, isn't right, but like that grittier kind of, and let's be honest, it worked. Twilight Princess sold almost like 9 million copies, which is so many copies, especially Um, compared, like, especially compared to Wind Waker. Yeah. I mean, it has the benefit of being on a, a platform that sold like 20 times as many pieces of hardware the the Wii sold more than like anything um but like it, it's just interesting to me that then the uh mainline zeldas have been moving back towards uh a cartoony look and uh that um skyward sword is a little bit it has like an impressionistic cartoony style to it and breath of the wild kind of looks like a grown up wind waker in that yeah way. and i i would say like mercifully uh, all of video games has kind of swung back where even if like this, mm-hmm. you know like even just like palette wise like color wise yeah um, we're ready to accept color into our hearts again <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, speaking of which there uh, let's talk about the Majora's Mask fan animated film yeah uh, Terrible Fate Terrible Fate it's about like a four minutes animated um, we watched it right before Yep, we started recording. Get it on YouTube. Yeah, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, 
<laughs> which is what free means. What'd you think? Um, I liked it. It's uh, It tells the story of the Skull Kid uh, coming into contact with Majora's Mask for the first time and being taken over by the mask. Um, and like, there's some, there's no, there's no dialogue, I guess, but like a little bit of voiceover, but it's all kind of like incidental. The, the visual storytelling is strong enough that there's no like spoken narrative that's needed there. Um, the music's great in it. Uh, a, a cool mix of, uh, basically just the lost woods theme and, um, these like hugely epic choral moments. Um, so I, I I thought it I thought it was super cool and definitely something worth checking out. I don't know that it, you know leads to anything else or is part of something bigger, but it's just cool to see that little bit of Zelda mythology uh, given like careful storytelling treatment. Yeah, I thought it was visually like really beautiful, mm-hmm. and yeah, the music was great. I don't know that I need like a super kind of lord of the rings slash terrence malick like retelling of this story but and i say this not uh to criticize the filmmaker who did a really great job more the uh discussion around it that like oh this should be like a tv series or a movie oh, yeah. or no, something that, yeah i yeah. mean that's the internet i yeah that's the internet being like this is a this is a thing i like it should be in all the forms it can be um no it's it, just like we were talking about with just storytelling and games in general like the you don't like a you don't like the story in a game in the same way you like a story in a movie uh and and you vice versa tolerate the story in a game <laughs> <laughs> but even one that you love even a story that you love even characters that you love like if you were just watching it passively in a movie you'd be like what is this garbage <laughs> i will not tolerate this um and you know i i think what makes uh terrible fates work terrible fate work um is that it is it just it identifies a mood that the game sets up and just like takes the aesthetics from the game and expresses that mood and like that's it um it doesn't have to accomplish anything bigger it doesn't have to you know set up a 20 hour narrative or a tv show or even a two hour narrative like that's that that's too much weight to put on something like this. And as a four minute video, great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mark. Let's talk new releases. Well, we, we could find nothing. I don't know. I mean, it is like a weird like in between time in the holiday. Like Nintendo's already dropped their uh, Pokemon Bomb, mm-hmm. and next week is Super Mario Run. So you know, both those things kind of sucked the air out of the room um we've got no air in this room we've got no air in this room we are dying and the only small bit of oxygen that's coming in is maybe animal crossing new leaf welcome amiibo the boxed edition right this is the retail package which means that uh why don't you tell me who this is for mark it's for people with no access to the internet that's right because if you purchased uh of the previous boxed version or the previous like eShop version, mm-hmm. you could just download the extra content. So maybe if you don't have room on your 3DS, you don't have an SD card, it's for children for the most part. Sure. And I don't mean that derisively. I just mean like that's probably who um, you know, isn't going to download things from mm-hmm. the eShop or you know, isn't going to... Or let's say that you just uh, bought Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon because that game takes up so much That game space. is enormous. It is huge. It is easily the biggest game on my 3DS. 
Um, oh yeah, by far. Yeah, it's it's like twice the size of the next biggest game on there for me, which is the Donkey Kong Country Returns uh, port. Is huge. Um, it's like thirteen hundred blocks or something like that. I think this was like twenty two. It's crazy, blocks. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so big. Uh, but the box version of Animal Crossing New Leaf Welcome Amiibo comes out on the eighth, and I'm which assuming- is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's for the same price, which is twenty bucks. I mean, it's a great deal. What a deal. Uh, Mark, let's move on out of the news. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It is 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of our show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will not play our instruments and therefore not talk about Nintendo. Um, and the, the music will just be the sound of us not doing that. Uh, so I'm starting the performance now. Mark, I'd like to talk about um, PSX, the PlayStation experience that happened uh, this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the uh, fun news that came out of there. Let me ask you this. did Were you watching any, like, the press conference or any of the trailers that came out of there? No, I. Uh, but I caught up with it and sure. like watched the trailers that I was interested in after the fact. Um what trailers coming out of PSX um get get you excited? Get you excited? What did what did you like? Was there anything interesting in there for you? Um I am curious about The Last of Us Part 2. Uh yeah, I'm I'm curious and excited about it. Yeah, I mean uh I'm Naughty Dog has a pretty good record. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be bad. Right. Um, it feels unnecessary. Uh, from like a, a storytelling perspective? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's like, great. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. it uh, the trailer is, you know, nothing, basically. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it's pretty far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the, they just show like Ellie playing a, playing a, and she's aged up. And we um, learned that Ellie is going to be the main playable character in awesome. part two. Uh, awesome. Lo- love Ellie. Um, also, there's a-, a guy that enters like halfway through the trailer um, who I think everyone is assuming is Joel, but I'm not totally convinced that it is. Um, Joel being the other protagonist from um, the first Last of Us. Um, I don't know. I- it, could- it could be super cool to like see them on another adventure together. <laughs> Um, but it would be equally uh, interesting to see her in another context. Uh, what else coming out of there was... Oh, actually, I got one that I want to talk about. Marvel versus Capcom Infinity. Uh, sorry, the, the crowd at this performance of 433 is <laughs> laughing. Uh, so the... Uh, yeah, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. Um, they... Uh, ran the, the first trailer and announced the first six characters in the game. No... It, it it is is it always two care like you, like on like tag teaming like teams so it's always been tag team since it's been marvel versus capcom um but 3 and maybe even 2 i think 2 and 3 had 3 on 3 fights um the the first game had 2 on 2 fights um and uh so the 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 characters that that we see in the first trailer are mega man x um uh ryu from street fighter 
Morgan from Darkstalkers. And then on the Marvel side, it's Captain Marvel, Iron Man, and Captain America, I think. Um, I'm excited about this game, but I am nervous about rumors that the X-Men won't be in it um, because uh, Disney doesn't own the rights to uh, X-Men movies and therefore are not going to be putting that intellectual property into video games because Wolverine is like a mainstay of those games. Like he's as much a part of Marvel versus Capcom as like Chun-Li or uh, Ryu. So like, I don't know. I get anxious at the idea that I'm not going to be able to throw down a tornado claw or a berserker barrage. Yeah. I think you should get used to it. No, Mark, I, yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm not much of a fighting game person. I've never been particularly good at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's cool that they're doing this, especially after street fighter five, like bombed hard. Yeah, it did win Best Fighting Game of the Year at the Game Awards. <laughs> so In competition with? In competition with uh, Killer Instinct. Uh, maybe there was a King of Fighters game in there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it, know it's interesting how like uh, niche fighters have become. Yeah. Uh, it feels like they were bigger at one point. I yeah. think when arcades were bigger, fighters yeah. were probably bigger. Yeah, and I mean, I I think during the the resurgence when four was big, I think they were um a little less uh niche at that point too. Um, are, are other uh, interesting things coming out of that they, conference? Board? They're doing a knack too. Yeah, a knack too, which man. feels like a big joke. Um, does did you watch the trailer for knack too? No. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did. I just let like my uh, YouTube just like autoplay trailers. Um, Knack seems like it's a game that's banking on like how cute it is, but it's not cute enough. Yeah. Um, that's my read on that. Uh, Resident Evil 7, even though it yeah. wasn't like announced um, there, but oof, I'm excited for that game. Yeah. I'm a little worried just because it's Resident Evil. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Everything, they uh, brought some people over to Capcom in Japan to play through mm-hmm. part of it. Like, not the demo, like, play through some of the actual game. And all the impressions, which, you know, game impressions generally are... Yeah. Uh, well, we'll never know. Oh, yeah. We'll never know how Mark was going to end that time. Uh, so we grab that, uh, clip of 433 on Vimeo and Vimeo doesn't always have all the information. So I don't know who accompanied us today. Uh, Mark, let's move into our topic of the week. And of course we are, uh, finishing up, we're rounding out our roundup, rounding out the roundup, um, that we started maybe a month ago. Yeah, something like that. That sounds right. Uh, so last, last previously on Nintendo Cartridge Society, uh, we left off with um, the Nintendo 64 and the Game Boy in all of its uh, per- permutations. Uh, so what, what's, what's the, the what, what, what year, Mark, set us in time? Where are we? When are we? What are we playing? Uh, Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Came out in March of 2001 in japan and june 2001 pretty much everywhere else i think it launched at 99 dollars uh the sp was 99 so i'm assuming that 
the yeah, for whatever reason one twenty nine sticks in my head. That could be true. I couldn't. I was looking for. I couldn't find a launch prize. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the Game Boy Advance two thousand one. The Game Boy original had and yes, it's various permutations, but over a decade. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean the the original Game Boy. It's amazing how much uh, sh- longer the like generation generations are in um, the handheld sphere, and I think that's largely just because like Nintendo wasn't taking cues from anyone in the handheld market at this time. Like no one was able to replicate their success like at all. It's not until phones come around to disrupt that. Um, you know, your Game Gears and your Neo Geo Pockets don't do anything. I mean, even later, like, really, like, the PSP and yeah. the Vita didn't really disrupt Nintendo's... Uh, yeah, I think the PSP came closest, um, The but the Vita doesn't really track on that at all. But 82 million of the Game Boy Advance sold. Ooh. Uh, did you own a Game Boy Advance? Yeah, uh, I I did um, the the one that I think I spent one hundred and twenty nine dollars on. Um, I think I have it. Yeah, it's it's back there on on my shelf. Uh, it's in a little case. Um, and it, it, the original one. Yeah, the original like kind of uh, see through purple one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's uh, um, it spent um, the entire time that I lived in Chicago. It just lived in my car. Um, like in one of the back seats and had a copy of Tetris Advanced uh, in it. Um, and I was <laughs> had declared at that time that it was simply a Tetris machine and should not be used for anything else. Uh, the Game Boy Advance, uh, my younger siblings owned the original. Mm-hmm. I later got the uh, Advance SP, but like yeah. the NES Special Edition. So like oh, it was so like kind of cool. colored like yeah. the Nintendo Entertainment System and the buttons were. That's the it's the clamshell, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the original is um just like one like unit. Think of it like kind of like a two DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't like fold or anything, and it had no backlit screen. Yeah. Um. And so again, just like the original Game Boy, as soon as it got dark, impossible play. to play. Also, you can't take it outside during the day because the glare on the <laughs> screen is terrible. So too much light or too little light, both are problems. In the Game Boy Advance, like I guess the easiest way, if you aren't familiar with it. To describe it as like like the Game Boy was the, to the original Nintendo, the Game Boy Advance was to the Super Nintendo. Absolutely. Um, uh, so I had the SP, which came out in early 2003. Um, it had a frontlit screen. Later, they would release like a version that a had a backlit, backlit screen. screen? Yeah. But the first one had frontlit. So it, you could play it at night, but it was still not great. Um. <laughs> And they they had the courage before Apple did because the SPs <laughs> the SPs also didn't have a standard three point five millimeter headphone jack. Did it have like a different headphone? Yeah. Solution? So you what? had yeah, it had its own like custom uh, headphones, and that's true courage, right? There. It, that was true courage. This was in two thousand one, before the way before the iPhone seven, right. before the towers fell. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, so my Game Boy, my game, Super Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. It's okay. Yeah, my Game Boy Advance. We can ex- talk about the Super Game Boy as well. <laughs> I have one. Yeah. My Game Boy Advance experience was mostly playing uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo games that I never played on the original 
systems. Yeah, so this is kind of the first time that Nintendo's doing this, right? Where they're repackaging um, their uh, mostly original NES games, but also Super NES games um, for people who either didn't play them the first time around or maniacs like me who will buy, you know, The Legend of Zelda every time you put it out on every platform. Well, and the interesting thing is that the Super Nintendo versions, and even actually, like, because they did... They put the Mario games out, mm-hmm. um, and they were different. And the Super Nintendo's yeah. it was ne- uh, it was necessary because unlike a Super Nintendo game controller which had four face buttons, the Game Boy Advance only had two. So God, that's crazy, and something that I forget about. So like a all game like uh, Link to the Past uh-huh. had to kind of be like changed a little bit, and they would add content here and there, like uh, Four Swords Adventure, the original one mm-hmm. was. Uh, on the cartridge with the Game Boy Advance, and uh, um, yeah, so like that was my experience. Like, was playing a lot of games like that, and then also playing. I remember uh, this. That was where I played Harvest Moon. Ah, uh, yeah, Mineral Town, mm-hmm. and uh, like Metroid Zero Mission. Yeah, the Metroid games on this thing, Zero Mission and Fusion, are both great games. Um, and like are up there with uh, the best in the series. Um, yeah, the thing has a good library, right? Like, um, that's where uh, in the uh, in the States, the first place where you can play a um, Fire Emblem game, um, the Golden Sun games are on there, mm-hmm. which is this, like, little Nintendo RPG that, like... Camelot developed. Yeah, that's right. Um and you know they're they're just like kind of standard turn-based RPGs, but like super cool. Isn't that also where the um, Mario and Luigi uh, series of role-playing games? Yes, yeah, that sounds right. Up? And uh, I also played Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Yeah, on this system, so it it's had, a good version of that game. It had a good. Uh, well, it's a it's a completely different game. Oh, okay. It's a totally new game. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking how how much of how much of all of them have I played? It's only bits and pieces of all of them. So. Um, and uh, I also owned a the Max Payne port for <laughs> and how was that? Um, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think I obviously I did not beat it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it had a really good library. But but really, like genuinely for me, it was more like a catch up system. Sure, I'm sure there was a lot of. Oh, it also had the Castlevania games. Oh yeah, like that's the, right. Uh, um, kind of like Metroidvania yeah. style ones. Yeah, there are like three or four that came out on there. Um, you know, uh, there's a piece of Game Boy Advance hardware that I covet and that I wish that I had. Um, and we haven't gotten to this yet, but there there's the Game Boy Micro, which is like a teeny tiny version of um the the game boy advance i don't know why they it dropped the advanced uh like branding even though that's what it is it still is a game boy advance um and it's just a teeny tiny little thing and just looks super sleek um and they they resell now for so much money yeah because it didn't sell very well the is micro didn't okay. yeah the micro also like one of its big selling points was you could buy face plates yeah to, like change it up and uh it also dropped the because the uh, Game Boy Advance was backwards compatible with Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. And the micro so small that you couldn't fit uh, Game <laughs> too, Boy cartridges into it. Too small for the cartridges. Yeah. Um, and then so 2001 was a big year for Nintendo hardware. Because 
uh, they released their follow-up to the Game Boy mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And then in the fall, uh, they released the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, the Nintendo GameCube. And this launched for like $199 US dollars. Uh, pretty amazing. N- Nintendo, uh, at this point, just being like, no, we're going to come in like way under everybody else. Because um, this would have been a, a contemporary with uh, OG Xbox and PlayStation 2. Yeah, I don't think the Xbox had launched at this point. I think that might be right. Uh, the PlayStation, I believe the PlayStation 2 had. Um, and then the Dreamcast was out there. Right. Suffering. <laughs> yep. Although, uh, by, by 2001, the, the Dreamcast came out uh, s- September 9th, 1999. Oh, right. <laughs> same day as the VMAs. <laughs> <laughs> uh 9999 which is how i remember that of course um so yeah this would have been like two years later uh and the dreamcast <clears throat> barely had that that long of a life uh so we, you and i've talked a little bit on the show about um our experiences with the dreamcast and maybe not remembering uh, the gamecube yes <laughs> sorry i've got the dreamcast on on my on my mind um and now that's all I can think about. <laughs> Snap out of it. No, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so uh, GameCube, I don't remember getting mine. No, I don't either. I don't believe it was like a holiday gift or anything. I think it just arrived because we, we had a tendency in my family <laughs> like to... Like the aliens in Arrival. Like the aliens in Arrival. <laughs> just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, well, and there may have been an occasion, but my memory of it is... In my family, we had we didn't really buy game systems until like significant price drops. Yeah, and um, so I'm guessing we we definitely got ours later in the GameCube life cycle mm-hmm. because we had a lot of like players' choice titles. Sure, and I think I think you mentioned when we were talking about Luigi's Mansion that you got yours with um, Mario Sunshine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, we had Luigi's Mansion, yeah, but I think it was a player's choice at that point. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, I think I had Luigi's Mansion before it was a like uh, a player's choice. Um, so I I feel like I must have gotten it early, and like I was uh you know in the mindset of getting Nintendo uh hardware right when it came out. Um, but I just I just don't remember having like any really strong connections to GameCube games. Um, early. I, I think GameCube was one of their like slow burn systems. Um, what are what are big uh title <coughs> titles that you remember playing for this thing? I Super Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. I remember playing it with my little sister. Um, I I agree that the camera is you know occasionally bad, but I think it's a really fun game. Yeah, I've never played Sunshine. Oh, really? Yeah. I it's one that I wish they would remaster. Or you know, or it's one mm-hmm. I wish ev- that they would um, make more widely available. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the GameCube generation is like the perfect like maybe just a little too big to be f- like virtual console or like be putting on 3ds or whatever. Um, but not, uh, but also like too old that like the modern systems can't play them. Um, so yeah, I I would love to be able to to, to play that game. Uh, obviously, Resident Evil Four. Yeah, I right? mean the Re- Resident Evil remake, Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Zero. Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Resident Evil Four was, yeah, that was like a huge revelation to me. 
Right. Uh, and all, all three of those games I, I like a lot. And Actually, I ended up... Because um, they, they re-released uh, Resident Evils 2 and 3 on the GameCube as well. Um, and I don't know why, because I had them on other platforms. But I was just like, no, the GameCube is my Resident Evil machine now. Um, and I, I think that that's most of what I had on that thing. I don't really love Zero. Okay, well, you're allowed not to really like Zero. It's not. It's not a bad game. It just feels like kind of like a retread. Yeah, uh, it, things the mm-hmm. like one, two, and three had done much better. Yeah, but it does them looking the way remake does, right? Um, which you know, if if they were to do a remake of two that looked like remake. I mean that's they are working on a remake of two. They are working on a remake of two, but I am supposedly not, I am not convinced that it's going to be two in any way that I recognize. Yeah, I it. think that's a fair bet. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss to talk about the GameCube without talking about the controller. Oh yeah, that controller, man. Um, and not just so the the controller itself is weird, right? Um, but I think the thing that the GameCube does better than uh the WaveBird. The WaveBird controller, the first like wireless controller that actually worked. Um, Mark, did you ever have wireless controllers before the WaveBird? No. Where like you plug in, you plug a sensor into the machine, and then you have to like line up. <laughs> you have to like line up the the sensor on the front of the controller with the the sensor in front of the. They never worked. Like it was it was always a mess. Um, and yeah, the the WaveBird was the first one to like really. Um, just work all the time and you could be anywhere in the room um yeah and the uh just overall the gamecube controller has become the uh controller of choice for smash players um to the point where on the uh for when smash 4 for the wii u was coming out um they released an adapter so that you could use old gamecube controllers on and didn't they in limited numbers re-release like gamecube controllers yeah yeah i mean that's that's how in demand <laughs> putting out controllers from two generations back which is crazy like no one does that but the game the gamecube controller is very interesting because at you know uh the other consoles were dual yeah uh, dual analog sticks. dual analog sticks and they nintendo kind of fudged it they have yep. one analog stick and then the c stick right which, which is like is an analog real, nub. <laughs> yeah it's really difficult to describe and it feels weird um <laughs> that's right like the texture of it was like a softer plastic yeah. or like rubber almost um but overall like uh i it's a really good controller terrible for third-party games luckily the the gamecube did not get very many of those <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> um yeah and the, the gamecube also did this thing the the controller where it had like a one main button that like there's the big red or big green a button and then a smaller b button and then x and y were kind of like bean shaped uh circling that like the, the the focus is on like the one big button um and that's a that's such like a an intuitive thing that like everyone has tossed away basically since um that like have a main button like that just everyone can be like oh yeah that's the main button well and i think that's partly why it's the go-to controller for smash yeah because you use that as like so much you know use that as like your main attack so often yeah um i uh 
Mario Kart Double Dash. Yeah. Was the uh, GameCube iteration. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's the worst Mario Kart. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Mario Kart Advance. Oh maybe, yeah, no, that's a real dog. That that may be yeah. <laughs> right. The, 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 those are both hard ones to hard ones to love. Although I I know people that have uh, defended Double Dash to me. People like it. <laughs> there are people you, that like it. It feels slow to me. Uh, sure. And I think th- that might partly be by design because you are juggling two characters and uh, like two item boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can be playing it two player, like two people controlling the one cart. Yeah, and I but like. The multiplayer uh, maps aren't that interesting. Yeah. Um, the maps in general, I don't think, are super interesting. Hey, you got you got that baby park. You you got that. They, you do like. You do indeed got that baby. You park. do indeed got that baby park. <laughs> uh, we would be remiss not to mention the Metroid Prime series, which oh, yeah. starts on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the the sequel. Um. Echoes? Echoes, yeah. Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Um, both uh, amazing games uh, prove that um, Metroid can be something other than the side-scrolling uh, exploratory platformer that it was. Um, and really, it, it takes like the Metroid formula and just like pops it into 3D. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable yeah. that they were able to pull it off. Yeah, because like, it looks and plays like a first-person shooter, but like... No, it's it's a Metroid game. It's it's based in exploration and finding items and, you know, puzzle solving on like a huge world, you know, kind of basis instead of like micro puzzles. You got uh Wind Waker, which we discussed a little earlier, which time has been very kind to. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, that was actually the first game I've ever pre-ordered. Oh, interesting. Because I went to the EB Games in my mall yeah. because you got a Yes, uh, this disc. Yeah, you got a disc that had Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. and uh, Master Quest on it. Yeah, I had that same thing. I remember going to the mall when this when uh, Wind Waker came out. This was in Appleton, Wisconsin. I was in college at this point, um, and uh, picking it up and being so excited to have uh, Ocarina again. Even though that was just it was one generation back, I probably last played Ocarina like two years before that. But, I mean, it was also when uh, you know, like obvi- the GameCube was the first Nintendo system to use uh, discs of a yes, sort. It was right. its own like proprietary mini disc. It's a little disc. Yeah, it's um, a little. So it uh, you couldn't play, and there was no virtual console, so you couldn't unless you had your Nintendo sixty four. You weren't able to play. Yeah, you know this game on, and the master the Master Quest was totally new. Yeah, which to, is just a, a a reshuffling of um everything in in the game. Yeah, it's mirrored, right? Like the done and mm, it's more difficult. It? I, I know I know it's more difficult and like it just moves everything around. I thought oh I thought the temples were mirrored. I mean but maybe, it was like, maybe they yeah. are also that. Um yeah, I don't th- I, I played I never played through it. I know I started it, and I think the Master Quest is available on the um three DS version uh of Ocarina as well. But anyway, GameCube. Yeah, I mean this was also the time when Nintendo like began to fall behind isn't real like it just it's not charitable or even accurate necessarily because they were already falling behind right but it was like uh you could play uh smash or uh like mario kart 
with multiplayer, but it required like LAN cables. And this was when like Xbox Live was beginning to like Halo was beginning to really blow yeah. up. Um, well, I mean, Xbox saw that in a way, or Microsoft saw that in a way that no one else was, uh, you know, chasing. Like, uh, PlayStation Two, you know, didn't have uh, a meaningful online presence. Sure. Either, you know. Um. Yeah, that's true. But it was just like one, uh, example because again, it wasn't really getting third-party ports. Mm-hmm. It was becoming the it, like the GameCube was a very Nintendo. Yeah. system mm-hmm. in a way that no system had been before yeah well like, the controller was mm-hmm. weird compared to the other ones the you know, discs the, are weird the discs were weird like it was very much nintendo doubling down and being like we're going our own way and you're either coming with us or you're not right and, and the rest of the industry looked at the pair you know like the uh uh how easy it was on and the bigger console base on between the playstation 2 which was a beast right and the xbox and they were like okay check you later yeah i mean this is also sort of the start of um game consoles being more than like just the place where you play games you know both right. the, the playstation 2 and the xbox uh were playing dvds and dvds were huge at this or like were becoming huge at this point yeah so like you would get a playstation 2 because like that could be your dvd player and yeah why not you know you can play metal gear solid too or Final Fantasy X or whatever. Um, yeah, and Nintendo was like, nope, we're not doing that. You can't even play CDs on this thing because they're too big. <laughs> um, so one, one of the other uh, cool things that um, the GameCube, that they came out, uh, a accessory for the GameCube was the Game Boy Player, um, which allowed you to play your Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on your TV through um the through the GameCube. And it it, it it like you sat on top. The GameCube you like uh the Game Boy player locked into the bottom of That's the right. GameCube, right? That's right. Um yeah, in sort of like a uh reverse uh slap in the 32X into the Genesis. Um you know, which is an experience probably no one has had. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what it was. It went on the bottom of the of the of the GameCube, yeah. Um and just like we talked last time about the um, Super Game Boy, which goes into the top of the Super Nintendo like a Super Nintendo game, and you can play Game Boy games on that. Um, so just, hey, Nintendo is, has always been trying to put your handheld games on your TV. <laughs> like, the Switch is not a new concept for them. <laughs> uh, so the GameCube, obviously, not a f- success. Sure. Uh, 22 million sold, which up until the Wii U was its worst selling console, mm-hmm. other than the Virtual Boy. Never shall we speak its name again. Never again? <laughs> Mark, you and I have to talk about Nintendo for like two hours every week. How are we not going to talk about Virtual Boy? If you want to break the rule, that's fine. I will. Thank you. Um, uh, so 20- I'm so uh, mad at you right now. <laughs> the best selling game was, no surprise, Super Smash Brothers Melee, which sold about 7.1 million units that is an insane attach rate for 22 million consoles sold yeah it's a it's a third that's great that's crazy and also the gamecube uh nintendo dropped the price to like it was 99 dollars for a very long time Mm -hmm. because they just were not selling right right well and because there's just wasn't a whole lot of third-party support and you know the the other the other two players were becoming juggernauts at this point um 
Melee, Smash Brothers Melee, it just, we don't have to talk about it for very long, but it boggles my mind that that is still like the Smash Brothers of choice for tournament players. Mm -hmm. That like the fighting game community, uh, as niche as it is, is uh, just super in love with that game and they will never move on. No, they mod the newer games. Yes, to be more, to like, be Melee. more like Melee. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> the, uh, Melee was be- the, when they nerfed uh, Pikachu. He yep. was so powerful in uh, the 64 version, uh, which, and he was my character of choice. Uh-huh. And from Melee on, he's just been just not as cool. Well, I, Melee is also the, the first Smash Brothers that turns. Because the original Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64 was just like the eight characters, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mario, Peach, Yoshi, Link, uh, Bowser. Maybe Bowser's not even in there. Pikachu, Pikachu uh, Donkey Kirby, Kong. and Donkey Kong. Uh, not, not a lot. Yeah. I wasn't counting. I was touching my fingers like I was counting, but I had no idea where we were in that Was count. Fox in the 64 one? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Um, but uh, Melee is where it really like, starts to blow the doors off of like who can be in these games. Um, and I, I think that's when it really cements itself as like a franchise that is going to you know, kind of buoy Nintendo uh, through the, the decade that follows. And consistently almost kill Sakurai. Uh, yes, that's, that's right. Uh, in 2004, starting in 2004, in like November of 2004, the Nintendo DS began to roll out. Ah, uh, the Nintendo DS. At $149.99 US dollars. This game, this system, in all of its iterations, sold 154 million units. That's so many units. Mark, were you one of those units? I uh three times over. Really? Possibly four times over. I think I just owned the one. I had uh the original, uh-huh. which was the chunky fat, and terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh I had the light, mm-hmm. which was polar white. I had the polar white one. That's which, where I hopped on and what color I hopped on with. Uh the white was or not the white, the light mm-hmm. was like impossible to get. This was a it was a hot mm-hmm. hot item. ticket. Hot ticket. Um, and then I had, this was either after the DSi had come out, I had two DSi's. I had the Legend of Zelda, like, collector one that was gold, Mm -hmm. and then I had another one that was red. Okay, let's, we'll get to the DSi's, Mm -hmm. um, because I never owned one, so I am still a little bit fuzzy on what exactly it is, um, but so let's just talk about our, uh, DS experience. Uh, first, so you you got <clears throat> you had the original like fat chunky clamshell one. Yeah, I had asked for it for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I got it. Came with um a demo for Metro Prime Hunters. That's right, and included like the weird like thumb. Oh my thing. gosh, you had that you thing? Could, yeah, because it came in the box of the original. Oh, that's amazing. And then so what? What this thing was um uh so the DS did it not have any. Uh, analog. Stick. Yeah, I think it just had a D pad. It had it just had a D pad. Um, so to play a first person shooter like Metroid Prime Hunters, you needed to do some of the analog control on the touch screen. Which we're jumping all over the place with this thing. <laughs> so the, the, this was a a handheld that was uh at least expressly uh not intended to replace the Game Boy, but act as a third pillar to Nintendo strategy. And that was huge because. Uh, 
when the DS was announced, it was kind of laughed at. Yeah. Especially compared to the PSP, which was uh, launching and announced around the same time. Right. It was underpowered. It was weird. It had two screens. One of them is a touchscreen. One of them was a touchscreen, which was uh, like the primary input Mm -hmm. for a lot of games. It was ugly. Um, So Nintendo was kind of taking a gamble. And so they were hedging their bets by saying the DS is a third pillar. Especially because the Game Boy brand is was so successful. Yeah. Like, you don't want to burn that bridge of... Everyone loves the Game Boy, you know? The, the kids who are playing Pokemon love it, and your dad who plays Tetris love it, you know? So they were hedging their bets that if this fails... If it's, you know, then we can just, we'll just bring back the Game Boy. Right. Well, a new iteration of the Game Boy. Game Man. Mm -hmm. Game Man. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Gay Man. (laughs) And that's fine. Right. (laughs) Of course. Um, Get that Gay Man (laughs) system out of here. Um, But, and and just like the, uh, before it, the uh, Game Boy Advance was kind of a Super Nintendo analog. The Nintendo DS was kind of a Nintendo 64 analog. In fact, one of the games around launch was a uh, kind of like a port, an enhanced port in some aspects of Super Mario 64. Right. The The ways in which it is not enhanced is that... It controls discussed. poorly. <laughs> it controls very poorly. Um, it's again, ugly. It has no uh, analog input other than touching the screen. But it had more characters. It, had, it did. You could play as Yoshi, Luigi, and Wario. Wario. In fact, the game starts. You start as uh, Yoshi, right? Yoshi outside yeah. of the castle. Uh, so weird. Yeah. Did they uh, port that to anywhere where you can play it with analog sticks? Yeah, I think it is on. Uh, oh, the, the Wii, Wii U. U now. It might be. Um, recently, within the past couple of months. Um, it, it also had mini-games. Yes. And I think... Those that... mini-games weren't just on that, though. They were also on uh, New Super Mario Brothers, um, which, uh, you know, that's a, a franchise that uh, we are super familiar with now because there have been like four and a half, if you want to count, um, New Luigi U. Um, but yeah, that, this was the first time that we were getting a like brand new side-scrolling Mario adventure since Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo. Um, so it was a big deal, and it, it had the same set of um, minigames. Oh, okay. Um, I played those minigames more than I played the Super Mario 64 port. I, like, I had the card, but I just played the minigames on it. Well, so when I got my original DS, I yeah. got it for Christmas, and... The game I was able to get at launch was that, like, Touch the Magic, like, XXYY <laughs> game or whatever. Okay. And uh, it was, like, a collection of mini games, you know, that it was so weird. There were so many weird games, especially at launch on yeah. the Nintendo DS, because they wanted to make use of the touchscreen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another game that was, like, impossible to find was uh, the WarioWare game. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first WarioWare game I had played. Oh, okay. Was the one on the DS. Was that was that the WarioWare DIY? No, I think it was called Touch. Okay. Or like Touched or something. Um, uh, yeah, WarioWare DIY may have been a Game Boy one. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the DS is maybe my favorite system of all time. 
So let, let's talk other uh, great uh, DS games. Um, the Mario Kart on DS uh, was phenomenal. First one to have online. Yeah, that's right. Did you ever play it on? Did yeah, you absolutely. Because yeah, it me worked too. fairly well. Like um, it was, um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, so the, I was getting a DS. Um, uh, so I got it when the DS Lite came out. Um, and so I, I was picking it up. Uh, as I was graduating from from college, and everyone else, you know, also graduating and leaving, and I, I don't know why I went on like an offensive of like everyone needs to buy one of these so that we can play Mario Kart with each other, even though we don't live in the same building anymore. Um, so yeah, I played a ton of Mario Kart the year after college with my friends who had all just moved away. Um, yeah, so I I feel very close to it uh, for for that reason. And it's a great version of. Mm-hmm uh mario kart it has like chrono trigger so here's the here was the great thing about the nintendo ds yeah is it had a ton of great original games mm-hmm. and then it also had a ton of great retro games yeah. that were either being remade like final fantasies like you know like final fantasy 3 was this was the first time it was ever released in the west yeah that that's pretty crazy it was right? like the remake of like final fantasy 3 uh and like the version of Chrono Trigger on here is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also had great new games like the uh, uh, Mario Kart and the Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. Which I don't like Spirit Tracks. I think I prefer Spirit Tracks to the other one. And a lot of people do. Um, I think Phantom Hourglass is the better game, even with um, the te- like. The temple, temple of the Ocean King, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it it had something for everybody. Does wait, hold on. I want to go back to Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. It's Phantom Hourglass. That's the one that has Lina Beck in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then maybe that is the better game because that's a cool character. I like that character. Um, and like Phantom Hourglass again, it was like one of these things where oh, you you control Zelda using the touchscreen. Right. Like, that's your primary input. Like, right. to make him roll, you, like, tap it in the direction right. you want him to roll. You are also oh, Link, controlling Link, Link. Zelda. I'm sorry. Right. Yes, Link. Right. Um, You're controlling them both, because Zelda is dead. She's a ghost. Right. Those games are really neat. Well, and they take place in the Wind Waker, like, Toon mm-hmm. Link, like, universe. Um, there's sailing in uh, Phantom Hourglass, and you, like, get treasure out of the ocean. Yeah. Like, and the touch controls are, they work really well. And they're very intuitive. Like, I think that's a great game. They, I, I, I don't like Spirit Tracks, um, but I, again, I understand that people enjoy it. <laughs> again, I've never been madder at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the DS is just like, was an amazing system. And so the DS is also like blowing up for Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. In, in an era when the GameCube is not. Yeah, and um, the Wii had not yet hit the scene right um when this was launched and at launch it did not like blow the world away the ds uh it took a little time to get going i mean kind of by by the time it uh reinvented itself as the uh the ds light um that's when it really starts to gain traction and it's one of those cases where i think like people were just sort of waiting for like the form factor of the thing to be better well and i also think what happened was this was before uh iphones this was before games on your phone and just like tetris 
blew up the Game Boy because it was something everybody wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like the DS, what became a device for quote unquote casual gamers. Yes, with games like uh, Brain, Brain Training. Yeah, Brain Age. Right. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> we just both stared at each other. <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, God, who's wrong? <laughs> but, like... like uh, or Nintendogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I mean, like, specifically, like, like Brain Age was, like, today's show. You know, like, this yeah. was, like... And so, you were not just selling it to people who wanted to play Chrono Trigger. You were selling it to moms and dads in the same way that the Game Boy sold for Tetris, in the same way that we would sell later for like we fit and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Like um and that sort of market doesn't exist anymore because like it's hard to imagine it ever existed because the iPhone and everybody having phones and games on their phone is so ingrained in us now. Yeah. But um less than 10 years ago, you know, there was a huge appetite for these sorts of casual games and in order to play them people had to buy a Nintendo DS. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's uh talk a little bit uh, about the DSI, um, and then I think we're going to do a part three of this because we're we're going we're going long. Here. Oh, okay. I mean, how how do you feel about that? Yeah, we stopped right before the the Wii generation. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, so DSI, I know it's got. Mm, uh, is the camera a new addition? Yeah. So the okay. camera was new. The big thing, like the eye, was that it could connect to the internet. Oh, okay. But uh, the other one could too. But it had a store. Uh, okay all right yeah (laughs) it had like an e-shop where you could buy dsi exclusive games so that this would be the first that's the the first place that there's an online store to buy nintendo games well the wii u had come out in 2006 and i think the e-shop launched with it the dsi doesn't come out until oh i I see the the wii comes out in 2000 yes yeah yeah um but uh so and there were theoretically games that could only be played in the dsi mm-hmm. like cartridge games but those were very few and far between yeah um but yeah so like it's the big thing was that it uh was it had, like yeah was that it had like the dsi shop with okay. like indie games on it and things like that it was also i believe the first time they released a xl version of the DS. Ah, so like okay. the larger yeah. screens. Um, yeah. Uh, th- I, I know that every time um, I buy a 3DS now, there's like a, a little thing uh, prompting me to like, now we'll check to move over any of your DSiWare games. DSiWare is what it was called. Uh-huh. Um, so like that's a, a little piece of that that they're carrying forward. Uh, even to this day. Well, the DSi... Okay, so like the, the DS Lite sold like 94 million mm-hmm. units. So out of the 154 million sold, 94 were the DS Lite. Mm-hmm. The DSi sold about like 29 sure, million. Sure, so about a third, somewhere between yeah, a third Yeah, about a like a third, but uh, not an insignificant number. So there might still be people that have some DSi... Where, oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't doubt it. Well, I well, I was just trying to think of like if I knew of any titles that were on. I uh, do you remember Dark Void? It was a. There's no reason you should, but it was a like Capcom game that was made by a Western developer. I think it was Capcom, and you were kind of like the Rocketeer. Like its big selling okay. point was you had like a uh, like a rocket pack. 
Uh-huh. Um, and it was your typical like shooter, but it, uh, that was like the, and I don't think it reviewed very well. But I think there was a DSiWare exclusive like side scroller platformer that was also based on the Dark Void. Dark Void, I think that's what it was called. Um, yeah, I I, I I have almost no memory of this. Um, right. but no, I was just trying to think of any like of DS of DSIware games, and I can't. But I think that was one of them. Um, I just uh, brought up the DSI uh, Wikipedia page um, to see if I could find yeah. uh, any uh, DSIware titles. Um, and I was reminded here of um the Guitar Hero peripheral for all um, oh, right for that's DS. almost like a trump like the trumpet you know like the trumpet yeah. keys so it's it's four buttons that go into the uh, Game Boy Advance slot which by the way this thing could play Game Boy Advance games you're welcome I don't think the DSI version could yeah, I think yeah, the I other think right. I think the, the other rest ones of them were could. able to um but yeah you plug this thing into the Game Boy Advance slot and there was like a little strap that went over your hand and then <laughs> you had these four buttons not five, but four, um, and had to try to play guitar and strum on the touchscreen. But this was also when Guitar Hero was en- an enormous success. Oh, absolutely. And I had one of these things. I oh, mean, did you really? Yeah, I did. The, I did. The, for the DS? Yeah. Wow. Um, it was so hard to play it. because again, <laughs> It'd be so cramped. It seems like yeah, it would hurt your life. Yeah. You yeah. and I are big men. We're... Very big men. We're very big men. We're we have, huge. <laughs> we have big man hands. <laughs> no, it was it was almost impossible. Yeah, <laughs> like it, 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 it. And also the uh, the input on like strumming on the screen was imprecise too. So like I remember not being able to play Barracuda because like doing the, like. <laughs> it just seems like it would hurt so bad to have like doing that with one hand. And like playing the keys with one hand and then trying to strum with using a stylus or even your finger well, on, with the other with, hand. Did you know this? That it came with a pick oh, stylus. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was great. The illusion was complete. Uh, I thought I was a rock god. But again, this was another system where um, third parties uh, outside of uh, like Western third parties just had a really did not really get on board and yeah. had a hard time with like it was a huge deal when Rockstar announced uh, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars yeah which was an original Grand mm-hmm. Theft Auto game for uh, the DS and it was just the wrong market it's a yeah. great game mm-hmm. it's just the wrong market it lives on on your phone you can buy it on the app right. store but yeah just the yeah. Not not totally a dead end for um, Japanese third party developers. No, though. not at all. The not at all. Square Enix and um, like Capcom uh, were both finding su- Konami. Success there on were that, uh, again great uh, Castlevania games mm-hmm. released on it. And uh, who made Contact? Contact is, or, or like uh, um, it was Clover, wasn't it? Or, I think that's right. Yeah, when um, Clover still existed. And uh, oh back, no, no no no, or was it? I, yeah, gotta look it up. Gotta look, look it up. up. <laughs> Um, but in, in addition to that, uh, Square Enix had uh, The World Ends With You. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever play that game? No. It was so cool. It, it had, um, it had a, uh, you know, using the, the dual screen like to, to its fullest, all the combat was um, uh, like a top screen, bottom screen simultaneous, and one screen was being controlled with uh, like the D-pad and buttons, and the other screen was being controlled with stylus, and you had to like, 
spend a little bit of time like making this person do stuff uh, with the stylus and then like uh, switching over to the buttons. It was really cool and had this um, like very persona-esque um, sense of style about it. Um, and there's like all these little bits of like J-pop and, um, you know, uh, idol culture um, in there. Um, it was just a, a really cool way Japanese story. It was also the first time that I ever played the Phoenix Wright games. Yeah. And uh, Layton starts there too, right? Yep, Professor Layton from level five. Holy like, cow, no, man. The DS is an amazing system. Like I, we spent uh, quite a bit of time like talking about the technical aspects and like the different iterations, but man, I cannot sing the praises of the DS enough. It's an inc- has an incredible library, maybe mm-hmm. the best library of games on any system ever. Um, it was like, controlled well Mm -hmm. especially like later when they stopped trying to you know cram like they gave up on trying to do first person shooters they gave up because it didn't it wasn't really a system that was set for it i think they felt kind of boxed in by the psp before the psp didn't become as big of a success as the uh nintendo ds right well and i mean we could probably have a whole different conversation about why the psp was successful but like the basically two reasons that thing was as successful as it was was one it was easy to um pirate to pirate mm-hmm. to, well the ds act. was too yeah yeah sure yeah. but it had more space and power to run whatever you wanted on it yeah um but also uh monster hunter was on uh psp yeah uh, and not on and that's when DS. it was monster hunter was exploding dragon quest nine yeah was on uh is on the ds which was again like a huge if you didn't live through it, it's really difficult to explain to you like how much the DS was laughed at. This with- is your Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. Uh, it, was, it really is because like everybody expected the PSP to wipe the earth yeah. with the Nintendo DS. The mm-hmm. DS was underpowered. The, you know, like the DS, it didn't have it was, analog it was sticks. It, it was basically have- singing the same song as the, uh, uh, that was uh, sung in the GameCube versus PlayStation 2. Like, this is the same sort of things. And the PlayStation 2 obviously trounced the uh, GameCube. Like, if, if we're going to you know, right. subscribe to any sort of console war <laughs> nonsense. Which we do. Which, of course, we do. <laughs> Winners and losers. Right. Our new segment. <laughs> um, but no, but I, I will say the one distinction between the two is that the PlayStation 2 was less powerful than the Nintendo GameCube. The Nintendo GameCube was the most powerful system of that generation. Oh, whereas the DS was not significantly less than the... And PlayStation was coming off that PS2 swagger. They were in the middle of that PS2 swagger. So they're like great we're like honing in on nintendo's territory right we took the home we're gonna take the portable and the psp was not a failure by any means but like the ds um i mean put it in the winner column oh my goodness <laughs> contact uh was made by uh grasshopper 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 manufacturer that's and i think that did they put a port of um like a oh, silver and- briefcase on geez i just don't know uh, it DS. looks like it was also developed by atlas so who knows oh that makes sense there are so many atlas rpgs on this that mm-hmm. are would are going to cost you like a hundred dollars now because atlas doesn't print a lot of their games and man there if you were an rpg fan there was a ton for you here man i've i just can't stop talking about how much i love the ds now it makes me sad that some of this stuff is not 
available or attainable anymore. Yeah, I mean, that that is something, though, that if you have your old carts, your 3DS will play them. That's true. Um, they, they're like washed out or stressed out. I've, I've never played a, uh, a yeah, DS game on my 3DS. It's not ex- per- exact. And, but I, and also, the other nice thing is because it sold so well, if you wanted to buy one secondhand, yeah, they you are, can do it. Yeah. The, the system itself and a lot of the games are easily attainable. Right. And in fact, it's some of the easier ways to play uh, Game Boy Advance games now is go get a DS Lite and slap a Game Boy Advance game into there. Man, that... Sharon the Wanderer was the first time oh, I played man. on like the DS. So many good games on the DS. Whew. All right, Mark, we got we to gotta stop that there. And uh, we'll, we'll be back for a part three, surprise part three. <laughs> uh, but now let's move into a reader, listener, listener, reader questions. Today's question is one that I put off last time. Uh, it is a question from Ethan. Ethan's email reads, hi, guys. If you need a question oh, for one I, of your episodes, I didn't know if I was supposed. I didn't. I don't know if he was also waiting for me to. Oh, respond. You should listen to your heart. If you want to say hi, oh, okay. or if you want to jump in, I'll start over. Okay. Okay. Hi guys. If you need a question for one of your episodes, here's something I've been thinking about. I chose not to. I, I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I enjoy couch co-op games. But it's not a feature that many developers prioritize. Some memorable examples include Kirby Superstar, the Sonic Tails Knuckles games, Borderlands 2, Diablo 3, and several of the entries in the Halo franchise. What are some of your favorite Nintendo couch co-op games? What is an example of a Nintendo game or franchise that you would like to have this uh, that you would like to have this option? Uh, what's a Nintendo franchise that you'd like to see add couch co-op in the future? And uh, goes on to say, absolutely adore the podcast. It's easily his new favorite. Mark, uh, well, first, Ethan, thank you for that email and saying flattering things about the (laughs) the show. That's very nice of you. Um, Mark, how do you feel about Couch Co-op? Oh, man, I think it's one of the things Nintendo, we've talked about it in the past, like Nintendo values it in a way that no other. Yeah. um, Like party game is not like the right, term but mm-hmm. man like throw on uh mario kart or super smash brothers and or like even like we sports you mm-hmm. know and it's just great to, it's fun to play with people in the room yeah agreed. Uh, he brings up kirby superstar for the uh super, super nintendo, nintendo. Mm-hmm. man that's another one that i have like so many memories of playing through with uh my little sister mm-hmm. because and that is a great great game yeah, it, it's it is amazing to me like how how many of like Nintendo's experiences seem more at home um with someone else on the couch um than like as isolated solitary experiences. Um even uh, with the NES Classic, there aren't a lot of two player simultaneous games in there, but like I I've put definitely more hours into uh playing Dr. Mario with my girlfriend than I think anything else on that system so far. Um, so yeah, I, I, th- I think N- Nintendo's awesome at it. Uh, even, uh, even now, um, you know, w- a couple weeks ago when we were playing Super Mario 3D World with Foddle, um, the three of us and Sarah all playing together, 
that's a great time, you know? The new Super Mario Brothers are really fun to play mm-hmm. together. Um, yeah, I, uh, I wish more console makers or more game makers mm-hmm. would, would focus or would focus on uh, being able to play with your friends in the same room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously online is, like, part of the future, but, like, man, there's nothing quite like, you know, popping in a game and uh, playing with a friend. Do you have uh, um, any any examples of uh, a couch co-op game and not Nintendo um, that you've enjoyed recently? That may, that may be too hard of a question to spring on you like that. No, I, honestly, the last time I remember playing couch co-op on a system other than a nintendo system is on the xbox 360 playing through call of duty world at war i think it was called it was the one after modern warfare where they went back to world war ii Mm -hmm. and it was on like the uh the western front eastern front it was uh like it took place primarily in like the islands like japan on the ocean Mm -hmm. um and it went back to having split screen co-op, which uh, I don't think water- Modern Warfare did for the campaign, yeah, yeah. but the earlier Call of Duties had. And I played through that with a friend. And I think that's this is the last time I can remember maybe outside of a racing game or a fighting game yeah. where I like really played a game with somebody else on not a Nintendo console. Yeah. Um, I-, I recently not recently this is uh over the summer now um but played uh lovers in a dangerous space time are you familiar with this no i'm not uh so it is a uh a necessary couch co-op game you can't play it single player um where you're two little people in a spaceship and it's like a side view of the spaceship um and there are different stations like different guns like a a north-facing gun or i guess up left right down uh, and then, like, one station that flies the ship and another one that controls where the shields are. So you have to, like, run your characters around the spaceship in order to grab hold of different stations and move your spaceship around and work together like and that. And what system was this on? Uh, so it's on um, uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, super fun. Uh, real hard learning curve. <laughs> like, the the first maybe two or three hours were, like, you're just eating it like over and over again but then like once you get in sync and like understand the game and understand how to work together and like who prefers to do what like it's really a a cool experience yeah that sounds really fun i i it's probably true that on like the ps4 and the xbox one that indie developers have taken up um if like if you're gonna find couch co-op games they're probably gonna come from indie developers yeah and you know that that makes a lot of sense because like when you're an indie developer, you have to find like the fun or the hook or whatever, um, and not stress so much about, you know, making watchdogs or whatever. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I loves me some, uh, couch co-op. I'm trying to think of, while we've been talking, I've been trying to think of what franchise, like what Nintendo franchise I would want Mm -hmm. couch co-op in got any ideas there it's tough right yeah um i i think i'd like a um couch co-op 3d mario game um as they're saying the 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 switch may well be 
um or mario switch or whatever th- this game is going to be um i don't know how it would work so yeah. i'll throw that out there that i don't have any like i don't have any grand ideas but i think it could be super fun to play through a uh paper mario game oh that would with, be fun with somebody else i don't know how it would work but um i think it'd be fun especially as like the combat has become more actiony yeah. it seems like there might be opportunity there yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, oh, I just had one. Wii Sports? Were you thinking Wii Sports? Oh, I was thinking of Wii Sports. <laughs> is what I... <laughs> That's right. Mark, how did you know? Wii Sports I was also I... thinking of Wii Sports. Okay, good. Um, no, I don't remember. Well, that. what about like the, the yarn games? Like Kirby's... Kirby um, and Yoshi? Yeah. Like, uh, do yeah. those have co-op? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically just you have two characters on the screen. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, in Kirby, it's a no fail state game anyway. Um, and uh, you know, Yoshi is so much about exploration and not about just making it to the goal as it is that um, having a second player on the screen doesn't really help. <laughs> um, but it's fun. Um, and Sarah and I have uh, played through. Um, I, I'm not sure I've played Epic Yarn. Wooly World. <laughs> I'm not sure I've played Wooly World by myself. I think I've only played it with Sarah. Um, and I think I think there is potentially room for a new uh, couch co-op Kirby game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I really like any of them. I, w- I would play any any Nintendo game uh, couch co-op. I still want to play uh, Star Fox, um, the the two player version of it, where you're both like in the same R wing. One of you flies, and the other one guns. Um, because it's too much for one person to handle, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, any, any, anything else jump to mind as uh, what you'd want to see? No, just if you have your, like, as listeners, yeah, idea of like uh, an idea for a co-op couch co-op Nintendo game. Yeah, you can uh, shoot that to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com, uh, and uh, we'll talk about those next week uh that's gonna do it for this episode of nintendo cartridge society um before i get into the spiel uh mark um you, you still want oh these spoilers, thank you right? for reminding me yeah um i was getting nervous because you weren't you weren't like waving your hands in my face to be like no patrick stop i need to ask about spoilers yeah. no um yeah M. Night Shyamalan Split comes out fairly soon. You know, I think within six weeks or something. We don't have a release date yet. January January something. There probably is a release date. Uh, I am just not aware of it at the moment. Sure. If someone wants to spoil the release date for us, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. But yeah, like, uh, there's a big twist at the end. I'm never going to see this movie. Um, I know the spoilers are out there. Believe me, I have searched for them as recently as a few weeks ago with no luck. So if you are better at Google than me, please share them with us at our email address which of course is nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com so that will do it for this episode of nintendo cartridge society you can always follow us on twitter at nincart society you can check out our facebook page which is just nintendo cartridge society if you have a second and would like to rate review and subscribe to us on itunes that'd be great while you're there you can check out some of the other shows on the what's a creative podcast network if you like our show there are other shows that are like our show on that network uh, check them out. Also, I was just on an episode of Tall, Dark, and Broody, which is a podcast about uh, the TV show Angel, 
um, that's on the what? Uh, nope, not what's a creative. They're on the Nerdist, uh, Nerdist School. School Network. Um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can check out our comic book reviews and discussions on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo, and Eight Bit Betty does our music. You can check out Eight Bit Betty's music on eightbitbetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying. Man, that DS library was awesome. Thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?